Go, go, Joe. Go, go, Joe. Go, go, Joe. Hello, and welcome back to the Go, 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 Joe podcast. I am one of your hosts, Avital. I'm the other one. I'm Abigail. And um, today, we are at the uh, pièce de résistance of this show, and in, in some ways, in other ways, it's the best number of the show, just because, like, it's a genuinely good song and musical theatre number. It, it's the emotional one. Yes, and it works. <laughs> yeah. Close every door. Right at the front, um, content warning, Holocaust <laughs> mentions. Yeah. And mild discussion of Zionism as a movement. Yeah. I was not expecting to have to say this, but it, it is, it's in the song. We can't avoid it. If you have issues with hearing mentions of the Holocaust, it's perfectly understandable. If you don't like the, the fact that Israel exists, uh, can't help you with that, buddy. Maybe find a different podcast. I mean, is it going to come up anymore? After this, no, but... <laughs> we, we, yeah. Just, just, just let's not. Let's just be nice. Um, so... In the scene in the film, we start off with Joseph just being uh, chucked down into his prison cell, uh, which is a very convenient way to just send people to prison. You just yeah. throw them into a big hole that you have on the floor. Like, he didn't die. All right. Okay, you can stay down there. Why does Potiphar have a prison under his house? Well, why does he have the boudoir above <laughs> his office? I mean, clearly this man has architectural issues. Um... So he gets chucked in, and the music is all, like, quiet and somber, and he's looking around. And he's all crouched over, and, and, and he's, he's, he's hiding his nipples. He's, he's, he puts his arms around himself because he's cold. This man is naked, yeah. um, basically. And he, he crouches down to the floor, and he's very, very cold. Um, and then he starts singing. I think this is a brilliant way to begin the number. Uh, as I'll discuss in the second half of the episode, this starts completely different than any other version. Every other version starts with, like, giving the chords, giving the rhythm, and then he starts on that. But here he starts completely on his own in what is called in musical uh, terms rubato, which means timeless. He just starts singing it. And then after the first two lines, the music starts in to accompany him. And... um. As much as I like to make fun of Donny Osmond's acting in this film, rightfully so, he's not good, uh, <laughs> I think this is actually surprisingly good. Well, I think we got to the conclusion that he's just not good at funny. Yeah, but no, also in Sincere, he's a bit yeah. But here, he's still a little bit in um, the world of acting. Yes. But because it's a lot more subdued and it looks like he's actually worked on the character and what he wants to do with it, because you know he did play this character for six years, um, then it, there's a lot more intention behind it. Sometimes a bit too much intention that you can see. He's like, oh, I look this way, I look that way. <laughs> Generally speaking, best moment of his in the film, in my opinion. Um, I, I still cannot get over his... Musical theater diction. What? I mean... What? Important. It's... Why is he adding H's to important? I don't know! <laughs> I would ask, will I live or die? Like, very... Anybody who's done musical theater knows what musical theater diction is. 
and he's full force in this one and it, it's fine but it's a bit distracting when you're not used to it also he's doing a lot of voice cracks Will I live? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I like to refer to as Jeremy Jordaning. If you are a musical theater person, you know what I'm talking about. Well, he's so exciting. This is like everything's been quite hectic up until now, and now he's on his own. Even the music isn't there at the beginning, mm -hmm. and he's you know it's all caught up with him. And he's got to figure out his headspace. Yeah. The character. Yeah, I mean. yeah the character is... is <laughs> everything keeps just going wrong and going wrong no matter what he does. As far as he's concerned, he hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah. But people are just treating him like garbage. Um, yeah, seriously. If his brothers hadn't ju just explained to him, nobody wants to hear your dreams. Yeah. None of this would have happened. Literally. He would have been fine. It's not his fault that he was sexually assaulted. <laughs> I pretty hope that's clear. Uh, personal anecdote. I don't know whether I've mentioned this before in the podcast. I don't remember. But this scene would make me really uncomfortable because he was shirtless. I had a really big issue with seeing him shirtless because it made me uncomfortable. As a very young child, I'm talking four or five, I did not want to see him. Um, so in the moment, like, in the beginning when he's covering himself, I'm like, okay, yeah. good. But then when he rises up to his knees and I see his nipples and I'm like, no! <laughs> no, not the nipples. <laughs> oh, oh, God, no. no. So he sings the first verse and the first chorus and it's, he sounds lovely. He sounds really, really good. Um, and, <laughs> and we cut to the audience. Hooray! <laughs> We've got all the kids sat down. With their candles. Holding a candlelight vigil. Yeah. <laughs> and singing, close every door to me. And they have the thickest accents, which when you've just had Donny Osmond's American accent, it's really distracting. And then it's my favorite bit. Oh, no. In the background. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> so they walk onto the stage in back in their fun, funky, colorful uh, outfits. And they're singing... This background part, which is it's been there from from the beginning. Yeah. But because this was made for kids. This was made for kids, it just sounds really bad because they're really like struggling to reach those notes. La 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 It's really high. Um and they're all like surrounding him and looking at him in his cage, like they're at the zoo. Yeah. And there are these two kids. On the right hand of the screen that look like Mario and Luigi. They're literally dressed like ones in like dungarees and they've red. got silly little red and green hats on. It's literally Mario and Luigi. It's literally them. Like, Mario existed. You could have not done this. Yeah. This is, it feels like an Easter egg. I feel like the kids went, this is the costume I would like to wear. Ha ha ha. Seriously. And nobody, nobody just, nobody noticed. Um... And they're all, like, surrounding him and looking at him as the orchestra swells. It's at this moment when I ask, what is the point? Of the no. <laughs> just get into an existential crisis. Oh, no. I'm Every that. time. Every time I'm watching this film, I get an existential crisis. I mean, of having the children here. Because, yes, I get the line, children of Israel. But, objectively, these children are not children of Israel. They are children of England, and they are not Jewish. <laughs> and children of Israel, 
doesn't mean that. And anyone who's had to do any biblical study, which, come on, yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber, Tim Rice, you definitely had to do RE. I so ho- I hope so. I mean, we had Rashi references. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's it's a nation. It's a group of people. Yeah. <laughs> And, or if you want to take it more literally into the text of the show, it literally means the sons of Jacob, because Jacob's other name was Israel, Israel. So it's just, the symbolism, I don't understand it. You could have had it as in the original was just the la-la-la-las and not have the group of 90s kids surrounding the man in the cage. Which also, the implication of that, as we get into the next line, he is the representation of the Jew in Europe. (laughs) <laughs> having this group of children all in funky 90s clothes these english children surrounding him with candles it just it's it's i don't like it i don't like it i don't understand it now you might ask yourself Avita, what do you mean by the fact that donny osmond <laughs> is representing the jew in europe well <laughs> wait for the next lyrics oh man what is it mm. just give me a number instead of my name Forget all about me and let me decay. I do not matter. I'm only one person. Destroy me completely, then throw me away. It's... Tim Rice, how dare you? Yeah. How very, very dare you? And I had a discussion about this with my family, trying to figure out whether or not this was an overt holocaust reference see i was trying to find any way that it wasn't i was like when did les miserables come out (laughs) is this just a reference to that please tell me it's just jean valjean nope i asked my parents i asked people who were around and alive in england in the 70s and yeah we we knew about the numbers because this lyric was a slightly later edition um this was written for the uh, West End debut in the early 70s. At that point, people had begun to speak about it. People were aware, and there were people with numbers on their arms. But, it, I mean, there the had been, obviously, since the 40s, but, but it was like the late 60s, suddenly it was, um, it was like more a of thing. a thing that you talked about. Um, people who had gone through har- this harrowing experience they weren't were no longer being told to be ashamed of having gone through it mm-hmm. <laughs> and it had become okay now we need to know what happened yeah and as much as i like to make fun both of tim rice and of Andrew Lloyd weber more Andrew Lloyd weber uh i don't believe that tim rice is that oblivious like there's no way that this is not an explicit Holocaust reference. Yeah. And what's weirder is then the lyrics of Children of Israel are never alone, for we know we shall find our own peace of mind, for we have been promised a land of our own. That, I mean, that's Zionism. <laughs> no, li- like, that's literally no. the Zionist movement, because that's not something that's referenced in the Bi- in, in the Tanakh. It's definitely not something that you, you pick up in the Joseph story, which is very much, no. oh, we've left the land that we were living in, and we've built a nice life in the diaspora yeah. of Egypt. Yeah, this is literally an explicit reference to the Zionist movement of, we've been promised this land, like... Uh, which never um, referenced 
in the Tanakh. Yeah. That's never a thing. <laughs> not, not in this book, at least. No! <laughs> and, like, this, and the, again, early 70s or, or late 60s, like, th- there were talks about this. I mean, it, Israel existed at this point, yeah. and there were lots of talks uh, I, about its existence. I mean... 67 had just happened like who knows who just knows just before 73 yeah so well no the the the, the children uh, a land of our own existed from the beginning from the yeah. beginning the inception of the song had that lyric yeah which begs the question is tim rice a zionist <laughs> here's here's where i'm gonna just throw in a little bit okay so you've got this you've got the beginning of Jesus Christ Superstar, where mm. you've got, we are occupied, have you forgotten how put down we are? So, I mean, I think there's definitely a level of someone's engaging in politics. I don't know whether he'd figured it out yet, where he was. But you do have to remember, these guys grew up, they were kids yeah. growing up in a post-Holocaust post early state of Israel yeah time it also would like make sense for a very because they're both young when they wrote both of these prophecies both Jesus Christ Superstar and Joseph like I guess you can't fault him for putting a little bit of his politics into it like I I don't know I don't know that's what's so (laughs) strange it's like I wish I could talk to Rice just be like please I need to understand. I don't care about anything else. This is what we're talking about. Like, you're mining my generational trauma. I at least (laughs) need to know why. (laughs) Um, Back to the scene itself. When he sings the line, just give me a number instead of my name, the kids all take a step back. And they're all like, whoa, shit. And, and And you're not just like, on the kids you're like looking at it from above it's very obvious yeah it's a broad shot and all the kids they're surrounding him because the cell is circular so they're surrounding him and they all take a step back as if like oh shit he went there (laughs) oh shit (laughs) and then if my life were important he stands up again and we almost get a dick shot (laughs) almost this close this close do you think they'd have reshot it? <laughs> I would hope so. I don't. I really genuinely, as much as this film is a horny mess, I genuinely hope that they wouldn't have left a penis shot in the final edit of the film. Oh my god! And then he stands up, and he goes up to the bars and he grabs them. Um, and throughout the whole number, whenever he breathes. He breathes from his shoulders. His voice teacher would be very disappointed because he just goes like, <gasps> and like, <laughs> I can track when his breaths are because his boobs just go up, down, up, down. So he goes and he grabs onto the bars and he brings himself close and we get to the final chorus, which chills, chills every time. Uh, Donny Osmond is very forward in the mix. So you really hear his voice above the rest of the chorus and he's just singing it, and it, it's 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 beautiful. The kids are lip syncing for their life, very poorly, uh, and it's very obviously not their voices, but the adult choir singing, <laughs> and not the children. Uh, and there's this one girl who's just singing completely, completely different lyrics, like she's putting in ths where they are not there. And he takes a step back, 
for we have been promised a land of our own. And he puts his arms out just a little bit. It's not a Jesus moment. That comes later. He puts on... <laughs> Although it, it does make you think of like the Jesus sing all being sad on his own song a little bit. It is a little bit of Gethsemane. I have something to say about right, that in great. the second half. Great. Um, Looking forward. Oh, yeah. And he looks up and the shot of the camera is right above him, just within his cell, as he sings that final note. And then it ends and all the children blow out their candles one by one. This this was also, for me, it's from my, like, childhood uh, in school, you'd have, like, the school choir, um, which I had zero interest in. But, like, a lot of the kids would join and... This was a song that they would mm-hmm. they would stick on. Jewish school. It's our song, right? It's, it's our, our song. Children of Israel. You cannot keep it. Yeah, it's no, ours. It's, it's ours. I'm sorry. You bequeathed it onto us in yeah. the lyrics. Yeah, half the kids like grandchildren of Holocaust survivors. Yeah, it's it's ours. Yeah. No, this this I was talking about this with my brother a few weeks back. I was telling him about the podcast and general things. And he mentioned how I think it was when I don't remember whether it was his first child or his second, but when his wife was giving birth Mm. and he like drove home to get some things and he he came back after she had given birth and a version of this song came on the radio and he just burst into tears. Like this song, as much as the show is very silly and we like to poke fun at everything, there is, this song captures such a specific part of Jewish pain. Yeah. Like, it's not just general pain. That's the thing. They could have kept the lyrics very generic. Oh, I'm sad. I'm alone. Everybody hates me. And it's also like, this This musical isn't like, tra- the whole way through, it's just been like, oh, Joseph, you know that story uh, from the Bible that belongs to nobody. And we're not going to talk about anything else outside of this kind of family dynamic and yeah. this kid who has to go on a hero's journey, essentially. Yeah. And then, bam! <laughs> they, they don't even really mention God at no. all. Like, this is very Megillat Esther in, in a way. Like, this is, this is like, the bit where you've got the references to God. Yeah. It's not ju- mentioned, but, like, this is the bit where you go, oh, oh, there's something bigger going on than just bad family dynamics. Yeah. Like, and, it's, and I think Donny Osmond does a good job, whether it was him or how he was directed, of not making it super obvious, like, not making it Gethsemane. Um, <laughs> like, he's not just looking up at the heavens the whole time. Yeah. Uh, like, me, Lee Mead does. We'll get to that. Um, so it's really effective as a song about your own pain, your own, like, oh, man, I keep getting kicked down. But it's not just me personally. Yeah. Like, it's, it's me and, it. like, I do not matter. I'm only one person. My God, I feel that. Yeah. I feel that because, like, I am the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor. Like, how many people have had that feeling of, like, I don't matter, I'm only one person. And my interpretation of I do not matter, I'm only one nation. Yeah. Like, that's my feeling when I hear this shit is, is, and I'm like, I ban anybody who's not Jewish from singing this song. <laughs> I just, I demand that no, no goys touch this. It's, it's ours. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's mine. <laughs> and you can't touch it. 
Oh. Yeah, how do other people feel about this? I don't know. I think that would be a really interesting yeah. conversation to see how people, both like non-Jews of all kinds, yeah. how they experience this number. Because it's very well known. Everybody loves it. There's like a bajillion covers of it. Yeah. Yeah, because it works outside of the musical. Yeah. You can just sing it about, you know, oh, I'm sad. But then you have the Children of Israel line. Like, you can't. You can't. Like, it, it, it's so specific. And I wonder, how do non-Jews fully relate to this? Because I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, you know, be exclusionary or gatekeepy or whatever. I don't think you can. Like, there is a certain thing in this song that, like, if you are not Jewish... You don't fully get it. And how did Tim Rice get those lyrics? I don't fucking know. I don't know if anybody has any connection to Tim Rice. I beg you, I need to speak to him. How he captured this specific Jewish pain when he was, what, 20? <laughs> and not Jewish. And what I find interesting, we keep alluding to Jesus Christ Superstar. They took the genuine good like empathy and pathos of this song that is only in this song the rest of yeah. them are still all goofy silly fun and they were able to take that and put it onto jesus christ superstar throughout the whole thing yeah um a bit of a a, a side note i think jesus christ superstar is angelo glover's best musical um because i started watching it as a joke I watched it as a joke the first time. I sat down with some of my Christian friends okay. and we watched it because we thought it would be funny to make fun of. And by the end, we were all in tears. <laughs> because it, it genuinely really works. It takes this epic biblical story and makes it very human and very touching and chilling. And oh my God, I never thought about that. And I think that my theory is, obviously we, we can never know unless we speak to one of them, um, that... Close Every Door was, like, the, the first nugget of that mm. kind of thing. Of okay. taking this, oh, we all know this story, and making it hit you really hard. Like, oh, it's not just something in an old book. It's it's real, it's and it's real. got emotions, and you can actually relate to it. Which is so weird to put this in the Joseph story, because the Joseph story has nothing to do with... <laughs> a land of our own like like you said earlier like that's not the point of the climax of this bit of the bible no if it would have been a story about abraham yeah sure even like if it would have been a story about jacob yeah sure definitely would have worked for for you know prince of egypt <laughs> but joseph you what <laughs> anyway on to the second half where we see how we got to this point. <laughs> so, this uh, number is obviously from the very inception of the show, right from the beginning in 1968, and in the first recording of the concept album in 1969. It's also, it's, it's not something that, that gets... It's, it's just a general theatre song, so it's not like... They're having to to like course correct, yeah. With like with some of the others, where it might be a little racist or it <laughs> might be a, a little insensitive. We'll get to, you know, the Elvis stuff later. <laughs> this is this is far before the Elvis stuff. Um, really, the only thing that changes um, 
is, well, the uh, in the original, the line of just give me a number instead of my name, the whole verse d- didn't exist yeah. up until 1973 on the West End uh, debut. So in the first version, there's a dr- drums going on the... Uh, on the uh, six eight, just right at the beginning, and there's an organ, <laughs> so it's very churchy. Uh, the guitars are having little fun licks throughout the whole song. It's strange, uh, and it is very much just singing on the beat of the song, not moving from the beat of the song, which is happens quite a bit early on. Yeah, it makes sense because if this is like the first draft, then you need to have an original so that you can stray from the original. Um, and from this version up until the 91 version, there isn't a close every door with the kids. It's just the string section. And the la-la-la. The la-la-las are original. The la-la-las have been there since the very beginning. Um, (laughs) They were just allowed to do la-la-las. They were just allowed to do la-la-las. And then they were given more responsibility. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Um, So it's just the string section just going doo-dee. And as I said, it skips right to if my life were important, I would ask and into the final uh, chorus. And in the final chorus, there is a choir singing behind him. Overall, I would give this like a C minus. Is the last bit. And I know we shall find. Yes, those are all have been the lyrics. It's just not epic. It's no same melody. Nothing changes. Just working it out. Yeah. Um... In the 1973 version, there are no drums uh, and a harpsichord instead of an organ. <laughs> um, Gary Bond played a bit with the rhythm, which is nice, but it's still a little bit like I'm just playing with the rhythm for no dramatic purpose. I'm just changing. Here, the clarinet is, is the one that's being groovy, not the guitars. Ah. There's a groovy clarinet. And this is when uh, the Just Give Me a Number line um, shows up. So it, I wonder at what point did uh, Tim Rice say, hmm, I'm going to mine some Jewish trauma for profit? Uh, jumping to the Broadway version in 1982. Here it's just piano. It's no harpsichord, no guitars. It comes in a bit later, but it starts off just the piano. And here we have little, I wrote, klezmer clarinet hints. You have little... It's just like, oh, wow. All right. Something that I noticed from this version on is that the word life is said, as I wrote, is very bimbo-esque. It's like, if my life... <laughs> life. Life. <laughs> I just wish that my life... <laughs> it's like, I don't know. If my life... Were... I don't know why they do okay. it. It's, I mean, it's... the way is... I'm hearing it is is a bit Irish. <laughs> I don't... I'm not doing it justice. You have to listen yeah. to it. It's, it's like... Marilyn Monroe kind of like, okay, yeah, with, yeah. A, with a very like really pronounced L okay. in my life. <laughs> Don't know. And in this version is when we have in the final chorus the opt up the close every door to me. This is when we have the uh, final note being high. And then we uh, move on to 1999. Here it is much slower than the previous version and um musically is a lot more orchestral i still hate jason donovan i hate the way he sings i'm sorry i'm sorry he does not sound good but do you believe in jason and kylie 
The what now? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you do, you do. You I do, do okay. I've just been converted. I believe in Jason and Jason and Kylie. I'm assuming this is about Kylie Minogue. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, his, his, I just, I don't like the way he sings. And it's, he's not acting either. So he's just, close every door to me. I don't like it. Uh, and here is when we have the kids singing close every door. So finally, um, Jason also playing more with the rhythm, but in a way it doesn't add anything. It, it's not like adding phrasing in a way that makes it more sense. Like if my life were important, I would ask, will I live or die? Like you, you put the, you put the ellipses, like right. you do the thing. Um, he doesn't do that. He just stumbles around the rhythm to be special, to okay. be a special boy. The end, um, the end sounds really good. It comes a bit out of nowhere. Okay. Like, it's just like, for I know the answers, I'm far from this world. Close F! <laughs> it's a bit out of nowhere. But <laughs> what I love about this is that, unlike in the film version, um, Jason is a lot further back in the mix, so you actually hear the harmonies. Okay, And yeah. they, I, this is the first time I've actually heard them properly, and it is Beautiful. Like, I can't believe I have to give credit to uh, Angela Weber, but the, the harmonies sound really good. <laughs> um, just for fun, I also listened to the Philip Schofield version. Philip Schofield, who was in talks to play Joseph in the film, and he, who played him on the West End, but ultimately... I have a big soft spot for him. He sounds really good okay good he right. sounds amazing like i listened to this version i was like oh shit this is really good it's not cheesy because well, i i like it but i'm like i don't know music so i don't know if it's like just like philip schofield no no it sounds really good i mean it's a bit cheesy with the sparkles at the beginning the like um but he sounds really good here he makes rhythm changes that make dramatic sense that add to the actual like phrasing of the sentences in a way that sounds more like a person talking yeah um lots of pathos because this is the version off of his album there aren't any la 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 <laughs> and you know what they're not missed <laughs> they're not missed um he does skip the second half of the second chorus like he sings just give me a number and said on my name forget all about me and let me decay if my life were important i would ask okay which i don't understand but it's his album version so he can basically do whatever he wants uh, and I wrote best version so far, TBH. Like, really, he just sounded so good. I think also he, when you hear him talk about Joseph, like, he, it was special to him. Yeah. He, he like, really was very into this this character he was playing, into the show. Yeah. Um, just, so. Like, just from the little clips that I've seen, he, he just seems, like, so lovely and so, like, genuinely yeah. in love with the work and we, we deserved him in the film honestly <laughs> then we get to the canadian cast in which i realized something so uh, think back think back uh, right to our second episode where we discussed any dream will do and i had a meltdown <laughs> the fact that donnie osmond uh sang it a half step higher instead of in c it was in c sharp here Everybody else, everybody sang it in F minor. This motherfucker sings it in G. He sings it a whole step higher than everybody else. This fucking 
tenor, this fucking smelly tenor. I can't believe it. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. I need to, I need to sing it higher. And like, of course, I'm all down for people like singing in the register that is comfortable for them. But like, if the fucking narrator <laughs> has to sing an octave up from the male key year after year, version after version, and Donny Osmond could just come in and be like, mm, no, I need it to be higher. Higher. It's too low for me. I can't sing it that low. It's you too think Tommy Osmond is a valley girl? I like to think so. It's like, um, uh, Andrew, Andrew, um, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, well, as you know, I'm a, I'm a tenor, and um, I just I don't believe that my voice really um really shines through. Uh, also, remember, of, uh, I'm not a woman. <laughs> so you don't hate me. Yeah, yeah. I, can can we just can we just you know do it do it a little bit higher, Mr. Andrew Man, <laughs> please. <laughs> That's a reference to later. <laughs> and uh, and this is the whole step. That's why the la 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 las sound so bad because they need to sing a high G. That's difficult. They're making those poor kids go la 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 la. <laughs> it's so high. And in the film, you can hear how, like the like in the phrase, so it's la 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 la, and then the la 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 is just auto tuned because they're just like didn't get it and they just oh my god, and like that that makes oh you're so angry about this little fan fiction you've written. I'm also mad because it does sound really good, like both in the Canadian cast and in the film. Man can sing. I'm sorry. He can't act, but boy, can he sing. Yeah. Um, and there's like this little nice moment in the Canadian version where he sings, um, for I know the answers lie far. Like he has a little blue note in there. And the drums at the end are insane. They're just like. <laughs> <laughs> and the opt up on shall and the. For we know we shall find. This is where he did it. This is his opt up, yeah. as far as I can tell. And it's a fucking high B. It is a B. I cannot. This man. And he sounds so good. Like, Mele. Like, it would be bad enough if he was, like, fine. But the fact that he sounds good, I'm, just, I'm mad about it. I, I can't explain why I'm <laughs> mad because people should be sounding good, but I'm mad. <laughs> oh, dear. Um. And musically speaking, I think the film version is the best. Like, I wish we could have had Philip Schofield do that because the fact that it starts timeless, the fact that it's a lot more led by Joseph and not him following the, the music, where more the music following him, I think it is so beautiful and so powerful and genuinely the end the end gets me to tear up every time every single time um and as much as we yell about him he sounds so fucking good yeah it's 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 something that i kind of divorced this song from the musical in my head mm -hmm. like i knew it was there when i watched it and stuff but because it had been like school school choir would do it and like you could hear it outside of it yeah and it's just very 
very good at what it does. Yes. <laughs> Which is makes you feel things. Makes you feel many, <laughs> many things. Um, then just for fun, I listened to the Mead version from the 2007 revival. Uh, so there's a clip of the second verse um, to the end on YouTube, and I listened to the version that he had on his album. It is very slow. It is a lot slower than everything else. Uh, in the recorded version, he's doing a lot of acting through song. Um, and he sounds like he's like, ooh, I'm going through a struggle. Um, and he sounds mad. <laughs> uh, and when we watched it, I watched it once by myself and now again, this is where the Gethsemane comes out. Because he's staring directly to the heavens and he's mad. He's like doing it very angry, which I understand as a choice. I disagree with it. Yeah, the the ending with the film, especially because we've just looked through that one. It's like it's like I have triumphed over this this, even though I'm still in this bad position. I'm like, we're like we're all good. This is this is my moment of personal triumph for myself. Even though my my actual position hasn't changed, I have dealt with my emotions, and it's it doesn't matter what you do to me now because I'm good. So making him angry is very interesting. Yeah, it's, it has all of that, but still such an element of pain. That's the sure, thing. Like it sure. feel like I'm over. It's it's. I don't see it as I have overcome. I see it as but, I am overcoming. Yeah, he's still in the okay. process. Like he's still constantly moving from hope to despair oh i mean i don't mean i've overcome the situation it's more like oh okay you're throwing shit at me i can Great. take it cool i know i can take it yes yeah, we because i have been promised like everything will be okay uh but not in like a happy-go-lucky way yeah. and then like i am de like insisting and demanding yeah. that everything will be okay whereas for me gethsemane is like i give up yeah it's i give up it's i'm angry it's i'm confused it's I'm mad. Yeah, and I, I love Gethsemane as well. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Gethsemane is also like a oh, a powerhouse of a song. These are not the same characters. They've not gone through the same thing. Joseph isn't angry at God <laughs> for betraying him, and Lee Mead also in the in the clip that we saw he was not singing correctly. Like he was off <laughs> many notes, and he was just really mad um and i i just don't think that's an appropriate choice it doesn't for this character like it just yeah. makes sense i don't know who was directing and making those choices yeah um and i was seeing comments being yeah. like oh my god no you don't understand this is of course this is, of course he would be angry it makes sense i'm just like no he wouldn't unless he was jesus but he's not <laughs> he's joseph he's sad and then he's hopeful. Yeah. He's not angry at any point. I think also in the biblical story, he's never angry. No, it doesn't come off like that. Like, um, except for when he inflicts revenge on his brothers, but, but like... even then, he's not great at it. No, he gives up pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's like, oh guys, you're so nice to everyone again. You've learned a lesson. Come here! <laughs> Uh, and, but he does have this nice little note change in a land of our own. Acting wise, you can see whenever he reaches a high note, he's like, oh god, oh god, oh god. <laughs> yeah, um, 
Not a not a big fan of of this version. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry if there are any Lee Mead fans. I know you voted for him. Uh, <laughs> rethink your decisions. I mean, what were the other options? No, I, I, I think I think the point of it was oh controversial. I think the point of the show was they'd already picked Lee Mead. <gasps> oh, Ooh, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Overall. An out completely out of left field number for this show, but I'm glad it exists. Yeah, I think it's one of the more powerful musical theater numbers because, as we said, it works well also out of the context of the show. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see more versions of it done with the amount of pathos that I feel when I hear it, mm-hmm. because a lot of people do it very much like on on the beat or just do it to sound pretty so when you you saw it here i saw it here yeah i saw it in israel i saw it with you Dalevi. i don't remember it okay um and i found like how old were you oh god when was this it was in the early mid 2000s so i was it was before i was 10 yeah yeah so it might not have had that same no this number never had it only had this effect on me much later in life because to me this only um, meant anxiety over oh god is he going to be shirtless this is much better as the like adult part for the bit for adults yes than the previous soon yes <laughs> yes this is very much this is for the adults <laughs> but in a good way yes and the kids are just like oh look kids um yeah and yeah when i actually funny you bring it up because when we were going to go see it i didn't know whether I wanted to go because I was scared that he was going to be shirtless. And, th- and he was, but I got over it. <laughs> and now as an adult, I watched clips of it with a friend of mine and she's like, why were you afraid of this? He's beautiful. And I'm like, I was a child and it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> oh wait, I need to talk about, we need to talk about the uh, the other film version. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I mean, it's not very interesting personally. Um, but. Because they're still figuring out stuff whether it's uh they still don't have the very controversial second verse which by the way if you look up tim rice israel no (laughs) if i look up tim rice israel because i've probably fucked up my algorithm um i get a lot of articles referencing the fact that tim rice gets big mad when you change his lyrics these days um (laughs) Which in this case was stupid. Yep. And I understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. You don't like to talk about the children of Israel, which Tim Rice swears has nothing to do with the modern world, the modern uh, land of Israel. Which we don't know if we believe him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I believe him, but, but you can interpret it as, like we said earlier, the literal children of literal israel as in jacob that's what i thought of it as a kid yeah i was like he's a child of the guy called israel and he's never alone because like he's i think it's just that then they mentioned the land that we've been promised you know so it it does anyway the point was tim rice tim rice and new zealand had a bit of beef specifically Uh, uh, uh. the arab wellington uh, because um, some school teacher decided they didn't like that the line about the children of Israel, um, and they changed it to the children of kindness, which is terrible. Awful. Why? 
no bad. just take it out don't do the don't do the show or take out that line or just don't change it to the children of kindness i would even be okay with children of jacob yeah i would be okay with that because like at least that's a bit more of a like valid interpretation yeah all right so so, so there's that so timmy in case you hear this we agree with you <laughs> yeah we are on your side <laughs> on this and possibly only this ah, well um, but the the original 72 recording they did um where he'd been sent to the naughty corner if you remember last time and it's all it's all dark in the background he's kneeling down behind the bars he's singing he's doing his bit and then they've they've recorded it so there's a kind of split screen where there's him in full and then there's his face in close up it's like a yearbook photo <laughs> It's like some, yeah, some, like, one of those old school, like from the 1970s and 80s. Like it starts off in a close up and then the camera slowly moves back so that the cage is only like on one half of the screen. And you're like, oh, is something going to walk in? <laughs> no, they literally just take another camera shot of his that was probably being done simultaneously and just superimpose it over the second half of the screen in close up. And it's, like, if we thought that the ki the Mario and Luigi kids walking in was silly and, like, it ruins the mood of this song, this makes it so much worse. <laughs> but the the little choir, the kids' choir in the back, which they light up when, when they get to do their bit, that's that's all right. Yeah. It's... That bit was was not so distracting. As... Because when they're only there for, la la for the la-la-la-las, it's fine. It's when they have to sing the, ver the, the verse that I, I get frustrated personally. Also, they're, they're singing it. Um, in a key that they can deal with. In the key of G. <laughs> no, in the key of F. <laughs> Not in the key of G. Um, right, so just a small personal anecdote to end us off this rather somber episode. Uh, at my sister's bat mitzvah, which uh, for if anybody who is not Jewish is listening, first of all, why? Second of all, um, is the... Uh, Coming I, of age. I would describe birthday. it as the beginning of the transition into the coming of age. Yeah. Because um, no no one's expecting 12 and 13 year olds to be like men and women No, now. that's not the expectation. The expectation yeah. is now you start like, you, you count as like a person? Yeah. Well, unless you're a woman. Anyway, so um, at my sister's bat mitzvah party, which was um, after like she had gone up to the top, whatever, so we had a party. And she did a little personal concert. <laughs> I don't remember any of the other songs she sang. Okay. Except for... <laughs> she said... You better get out some tissue. <laughs> for this next one. <laughs> and she sang Close for Till. <laughs> I get it if you're listening. Don't get offended. That's some confidence from a 12-year-old. Yes. And now... I congratulate you. It was... It's very funny to look back on that you said that. The fact that you sang it, like, whatever, but the... <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that, that was Close Every Door. Um, give it a listen. Give every version a listen. No, not every version. Give, give the... Um, the 92 Donny Osmond version and the Philip Schofield version. I yeah. think those are the, the two best ones and the one in the film. Um, and if you're not a Jew, 
don't sing it. <laughs> but also, tell us how you feel about it, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell. I don't know how, because we don't just, have socials. <laughs> just, just shout it into the void. Yeah, shout it into the void. Leave us a review on Apple Music. If Just vague post about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, like, be following. You can tag me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm never on Twitter, but technically I'm on Twitter. Pretty sure it's at Avital Y. Kagan, but I could be wrong. Um, anyway. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Facebook. <laughs> Personally DM me on Instagram. That is Avital Y. Kagan. <laughs> to tell me your opinions as a goy. About <laughs> close every door. Uh, and next, next episode is going to be a lot more fun. Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye bye.